Welcome to Common Ground Berlin, a show where we delve into issues that matter to you in the German capital and beyond. I'm senior producer Dina Estaid. Today we bring you more from our Goethe Institute collaboration commemorating Franz Kafka, the popular author who died 100 years ago. The interviews are part of the second season of Zeitgeister on air, available at goethe.de forward slash Kafka. When we think of Franz Kafka, it's usually about his books and short stories written more than a century ago. But as our guests tell Common Ground Berlin host Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the Noiseverse author also has a surprising effect on today's music. Soraya speaks with the founder of an alternative rock band and a classical music composer, both of whom were inspired by Kafka. In today's episode, we speak with Yaroslav Rudisch, who, like Kafka, is a prolific Czech writer. He also founded the Kafka Band. Welcome, Yaroslav. Hello. Hi. We don't usually associate Franz Kafka with music. How did you come up with the Kafka Band? (laughs) That's right. Franz Kafka, I think he was not playing an instrument, which is a little bit unusual for his time in Prague. And I know that he was quite a lot in the theaters around Prague, in Czech-speaking theaters, in German, of course, speaking theaters. But he was not going to the operas or to the musical events. But it has started with a graphic novel made by uh, David Meyerowitz and Jaromir 99. Jaromir 99 is a very close friend of mine. And uh, both of them adapted Kafka's The Castle, his great novel, my favorite piece of Kafka, I think. They did a beautiful, very atmospheric graphic novel inspired by uh, this work from Kafka. And Jaromir 99, uh, we did a graphic novel, one graphic novel together called Alois Nebel, and uh, in Literary House of Stuttgart, here in Germany, Literaturhaus Stuttgart, they did an exhibition called Kafka in Comics. And they invited Jaromir 99 with David Meyerowitz and the castle to Stuttgart. And they asked him, because they know Jaromir is not just an illustrator and comic uh, designer, but uh, he's also a great musician, if he could imagine kind of like a small musical event yeah, uh, with Kafka lyrics. And Jaromir asked me if I could read Kafka a little bit or sing Kafka a little bit and uh, he will make some music. Immediately we were really surprised that it was much more bigger than we were expecting. We were thinking we do an one event in Prague and one in Stuttgart. But immediately after that, there were more invitations for the Kafka band from Amsterdam, from Prague again, from Berlin, and from Poland, from Austria. And so we decided to record actually our first album called Das Schloss, the castle, Zamek, in Czech. Yeah, that's how it started. So you sing in all three languages, though, mm-hmm. Czech, German, and English. Yes. Um, what kind of music is it? I mean, what genre? I would, I would say alternative rock. We did three recordings, three records, Das Schloss, then America, and then the last one was released just now. It's called The Trial in English, Der Prozess in Czech, Prozess. And all of these uh, albums are very different, but what keep them together 
his Kafka, his lyrics, his text. We are looking, we are trying to <laughs> to bring Kafka or to find a musicality in Kafka. We are tried with Kafka, so we don't rewrite him that much. So that what I am sing or what Jaromir 99 is in Czech sing, I sing mostly in German. Or what I'm reading, I'm reading quite a lot. That's Kafka in original, more or less. So his lyrics, or I should say his <laughs> prose, lends It's itself prose, to lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Every good uh, literature has their own musicality. No? And that's the case of Kafka as well. Um, for us, what's very important, we are all like Czech guys uh, living uh, more or less in Prague. Okay, I'm living between Prague and Berlin. And I also write in both languages in Czech and more also in German. I have a few novels written or a few books written in German as well, but for us was very important to do it in German, in the language of Kafka, but to mix it also in with Czech, because lots of people doesn't know that was the second language of Kafka. That was the Prague 100 years ago, the city of more languages. We are in Central Europe, we are in the middle of the Europe, in the heart of Europe, as uh, the Czechs do say. But this city, this very beating city of Prague was at least bilingual, Czech and German. Now, your bandmates, you, you mentioned some of them. Are they all authors like you or is it just... No, you? no, I'm, I'm the only author. The other guys are great musicians. <laughs> we are very close friends. We were working on few different projects as well. Uh, the guys were making music or made music for the movie adaptation, film adaptation of Alois Nebel, for example, or uh, they compose music to uh, theater plays, or they are running a few bands. Some of them, like Prison It's Tata Boys, are really great, very known Czech rock bands. But to make Kafka into the music is for them something very special. It's, we are kind of literary. Somehow we are a literary band that's a little bit... Not that normal, I think, but I really like it. And when I do a readings, I have a musician on my side. So who are your fans? Are they <laughs> older? Are they younger? Are they from the Czech Republic or from Germany mm -hmm. or from Europe or the United States? Or yeah, where? Uh, just a few days ago, we had a big concert in Prague at Palace Acropolis, which is a venue for rock concerts in Prague. And there were almost 700 people, uh, mostly Czechs, but there were a few fans from Vienna, from Germany, from Poland as well, one also from Belgium. That's really special, from Slovakia, of course, as well. And then we are playing quite a lot also in Germany. After Prague, we went to Munich and Stuttgart, and also in the spring and in the summer, there will be a few gigs around Germany and also in Austria and probably also in Poland. 
later this year and then in Czech as well. I think people who, they know us a little bit, me as a writer, Jaromir 99 as a musician and illustrator and uh, the other musicians, and they like this strange mixture between music and literature. It's weird, it's somehow very uh, weird, yeah? But it works somehow. We don't know why, but it works. And so they are young, they are older. It's also very interesting that we have very young listeners, also teachers who teach Kafka in Czech high schools or in the Czech universities. Are Sometimes they play a music of a Kafka band as a kind of introduction to the world of Kafka. To draw the teens in. Yeah, there a you go. A little bit like, yes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Let me ask you, what do you think Kafka would have thought of your band? <laughs> I mean, as you said, he wasn't musical. In fact, he was very sound sensitive. He used to wear mm-hmm. yeah, earplugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what do you think he would have thought of your band? he was really much enjoying the silence. Exactly. He's writing, writing about it, uh, that his one of his Prague flats was too noisy. You know, he was not able to con- concentrate there. It's still like this in Prague. Yeah, it's a metropole. It's a big town. Uh, back to your answer, I'm all the time looking uh, for Kafka, if he's, he's not in the audience, yeah. Uh, and now in Prague, I ask the audience, je tady někde uh, František Kafka? The Czechs sometimes say to France, František, that's the Czech version of France. And three people uh, really told me, yes, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And it was really funny. <laughs> so basically you're asking in Czech, are you there, Franz Kafka? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, you are, there? yeah are, you, are you there, Franz Kafka? But uh, I, I'm not sure, because this kind of music we are doing, alternative rock with also electronic instruments, of course, 100 years ago, this kind of music doesn't exist. Yeah. So he will be probably surprised. I hope that he will be laughing with us a little bit. What we also want to show that Kafka is not just this uh, depressive um, or the, the books, the short stories of Kafka are so depressive, uh, so melancholic, and so about this absolute loneliness and isolation. Maybe there's the Czech way how to read Kafka or a little bit also Austrian way because we... We have this common cultural background from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Uh, I think the Czechs or Austrian or Slovaks, they are more uh, laughing by reading Kafka. They have find this kind of very strange, very brutal humor. And if you are reading Kafka, it can happen in one sentence that it's very melancholic, very brutal, radical, but also somehow uh, funny in a very Czech, uh, strange way. That's what I also think that Kafka is writing in German in this tradition of Prague literature. We have also Czech writers writing in Czech from this time who has the same, yeah, this kind of very strange radicality between tragic and comic. I'm talking about uh, Jaroslav Hasek, for example, yeah, and he was writing in Czech, but his second language was then, of course, German, which is, was very normal and that's for me also normal. That's maybe also the reason I'm writing in German or uh, why I learned German. Well, let's find a little bit more about your background. Uh, You grew Mm. up in what was then Czechoslovakia, where Kafka was also born, but where his works were banned, at least during the communist era. So how did you first come across (laughs) Kafka's works? Uh, It was connected really with the change, with the political change of 1989. At the time I was 17, I was at the high school, but we had a great uh, teacher for literature and he was reading Kafka with us, uh, Die Verwandlung. The, the Metamorphosis. 
exactly the metamorphosis <laughs> from Jena in Czech. And it was something completely new for us. And we were laughing and laughing and laughing. So it's very, also very brutal, short story, very radical one. That was the first piece I've, uh, written by Kafka I, I read. And not the last one, but you are completely right. In the communist time, Kafka was not a part of cultural life, not at all. He was Jew, he was writing in German, everything which was not in Czech, it didn't fit with the ideology of them. Yeah, Communist ideology was like everything Czech is good and everything which is not Czech is not that good, yeah? And uh, say so they also denied this very complex history, yeah? I remember when I was for the first time on his grave in Prague, it was in summer 1990, I think, I met a few Americans <laughs> looking for Kafka. I was also looking for Kafka's grave and they were also looking for Kafka's grave. And uh, I know there were lots of Americans or English-speaking people, German-speaking people uh, from the West Germany, of course, who went to Prague because of Kafka, with Kafka in their pockets, yeah, with metamorphosis or the castle or the trial. And the tourists or the readers from abroad they were discovering also Kafka for us. And everything has changed, of course. Uh, now is Kafka, uh, Franz Kafka, and not just only him, also the other um, German writing uh, orders from Prague or Bohemia and Moravia, like Johannes Ursidiel, Max Brod, of course. Uh, they are part of Czech literature now, a little bit more. Of course, there are so many other authors who are unknown, still a little bit unknown. So has he influenced your writing style? I mean, you write fiction, <laughs> right? I write fiction, sometimes also nonfiction. Uh, when I write nonfiction, then I write mostly about trains. Uh, there will be now actually a uh, few books for the first time published into the English. My railway novel, Winterberg's Charney, will be published in the spring in London. And then after that, a short story called uh, Christmas in Prague. Also, one of the characters is Kafka, but in Kafka with V, because it's a Czech family name, Kafka. And in Czech, you can write it with F or with a V. And uh, I have there Kafka with V, but the pronunciation, Kafka will, will love it, I think. <laughs> I hope so, because the pronunciation is the same, of course. Kafka is Kafka. So I'm uh, definitely influenced by Kafka, this melancholy, this humor. I write in this uh, Czech tradition, and when I say Czech tradition, Prague tradition, then I mean uh, both languages, the Czech language and German language. So, so I just like, like Kafka. Like just like Kafka. I like Franz Kafka. I like I like Johannes Ursidiel. I like Bohomil Hrabal. I like Lenka Reinerova or Jaroslav Hasek. Do you or have Milan Kundera, of course. Do you have a favorite book or short story by Kafka? Uh, das Schloss, the castle, definitely. It's a beautiful atmosphere, a snowy novel, novel uh, lots of snow. And um, uh, also the beer which everybody's connecting with Bohemia, with Prague. Um, yeah, it's also very important in, the, <laughs> in that novel or the, or the, the pubs. And uh, I really like the atmosphere of the Schloss. And that, of course, uh, 
was your first band related yeah, project exactly. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm still in love with this novel. Sometimes it could be difficult to read. It's of course unfinished, like uh yeah, the trial or America, but it has such a great atmosphere. Even if you just read uh, the first like 20 pages, uh you feel it immediately. You spoke about bilinguality, but I'm wondering how else is Kafka and his works and what he had to say relevant, you think, to 2024, you know, <laughs> to, to the 21st century? That's really amazing that if you if you read it, uh, read Kafka now, how modern it is, yeah. His German is very clear. The sentences uh, and chapters <laughs> and novels are sometimes very complicated, but the words are quite clear, very modern. If you compare it with uh, Max Brod, for example, uh, he's much more difficult to read him 100 years later or 50 years later. But Franz Kafka, somehow it works. Of course, also the atmosphere, the feeling, the anxiety, and I'm really surprised that not even like older readers are reading Kafka, but very, very young readers are obsessed with Kafka. Uh, I just read about a TikTok generation or Instagram generation quotating Kafka. It's really amazing. Indeed. You spoke about what's next uh, in terms of your book plans. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what's next for the Kafka band. <laughs> yeah, we just finished a trilogy of these three albums, The Castle, America and The Trier. We will be on tour almost the whole year, probably also uh, 25, also in the next year. And we spent last week a few days in the studio uh, recording two new songs, new old songs, based on two short stories written by Kafka. And one of them will be released in the end of the May. It's the shortest short story written by Kafka. It's called Die Bäume in German, The, the Trees. trees. Yeah. Uh, and it's a kind of a winter song for the spring. That's great. Thank you, Jaroslav. Yeah, danke schön. Dicke Mots. <laughs> Thank you very much. Most of us have heard of Franz Kafka's books and short stories, but his ears? How the sound-sensitive author heard the world through earplugs served as inspiration for Gerald Barry, who is a famous Irish composer. I asked the 71-year-old about his life, his classical music, and how he ended up writing Kafka's earplugs. Well, I was born in Ireland in 1952, and I discovered music when I was about... Um, 13 or thereabouts, though I was always aware of it as a child. Then uh, I took off from there and studied in Cologne with Stockhausen and Musiktheater with Mauricio Kagel in Cologne. And I've been uh, going ever since. Gerald, what would you say is your best known work? Well, I've written many operas. I suppose one of the most popular is, um, or the most often done, is the importance of being earnest, an opera on the text by Oscar Wilde, and also my most recent opera, Alice's Adventures Underground, based on the Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland. And I have a new opera coming up on Zalome, on the Oscar Wilde text, 
that will be done in Los Angeles in 2026. How did you come to compose Franz Kafka's earplugs? I was commissioned by the BBC. Was this for their Promenade concert series? For, yes, for the proms mm-hmm. uh, in 2023. And uh, it was premiered by the BBC Philharmonic at the Royal Albert Hall in London and broadcast. And it was a kind of prelude to that. I think uh, I wasn't involved in the conversations. It was my publisher, Schott. And I maybe Schott told them that I had this, uh, was thinking about Kafka. And they knew that the Kafka centenary was coming soon. And they, uh, at fairly short notice, asked me if I would do this piece. And that's how it came about. So maybe they knew already that I was in thinking about a Kafka piece. And then they said, would I do it for this uh, prom promenade concert? How did you come up with the idea? I mean, Kafka's ears and earplugs are not usually what people think about. Well, the idea had been in my head for years, actually. And uh, so the commission from the BBC uh, was a random coincidence. It just coincided with something which had interested me. The music that I've written, it's as if Kafka is hearing the world through his earplugs, what he called his fear-sharpened ears. All his life, he was tormented by noise you know, door slamming, stove door slamming, the apartment door yawning and groaning, his father scraping ashes from the stove, his sister shouting in the hallway, uh, a hiss somewhere, a hopeless buzzing. Uh, He wrote somewhere, I think I should crawl like a serpent into the adjoining room and ask my sisters and their young friend to be quiet. And um, Prague communal living uh, plagued him. He he called it the lechery, dissolute, you know, uncontrolled bodies, thoughts and desires of crowded Prague. And in the countryside, even, he couldn't escape the noises of geese, haymaking, a youth playing his horn, and he felt expelled from the world. And at one time, he, he was in somebody's apartment and he heard a gramophone through the walls of the neighboring apartment, and he thought how wonderful this invention was. But then he thought he perhaps shouldn't enthuse about it so much, lest we catch on. His lover, Milena Jezenka, said, but France cannot live. France does not have the capacity for living. France will never get well. France will die soon. He is incapable of getting drunk because he possesses not the slightest refuge. For that reason, he is exposed to all those things against which we are protected. He is like a naked man among a multitude who are dressed. Uh, But by the way, Kafka also laughed a lot. He was a great comedian. Uh, He has uh, uh, a mixture in him of angst and joy. Some say Kafka's sensitivity to noise was a reflection of his brilliance. Is that captured in your composition? A reflection of his brilliance? Correct. Um, No, um, the music that I've written is simply as if Kafka... It's how he would have heard music if he was wearing his earplugs. And uh, he protected himself from sound, and uh, he was um, hypersensitive to sound and very tormented by it. So the music is really a a labyrinth of sound, different masses of sound moving in different ways at the same time. And it's as if Kafka is what... it's. The music places you in Kafka's head and hearing the world as he heard it in a muffled way while wearing his earplugs. 
Did any particular Kafka book or writing inspire Kafka's earplugs? No. It's simply Kafka as a person, his personality and uh, his his body and uh, in relation to the world. It's simply him. Do you recall when you first came across Kafka and his works? Oh, decades and decades ago. Everybody knows about Kafka. Uh, I mean, uh, I read all of Kafka in, I don't know, 2005 uh, and... Um, biographies as well and uh, so the, the the work is very strange of course as everybody knows but also very funny and Kafka himself used to laugh out loud when reading the work aloud so he was this strange mixture of extraordinary fear of the world and a, um, a great sense of humor so he laughed and he dreaded and feared and laughed again all practically at the same time he was an incredible Stew. How is Kafka's earplugs different from your other compositions? Uh, it's unusual for me in that it deals with what you might call clouds of sound. Clouds, as what you see in the sky, uh, moving in, in different levels. And um, it's really like hearing the world through a veil, and the veil being the earplugs he wore. He was so obsessed with these earplugs that when this First World War broke out in 1914, he one of his main concerns was whether the war would affect the uh, posting of his delivery plugs from Berlin. Now, this may seem like a strange question, but do you recommend listeners wear earplugs when listening to your composition? I mean, so they get a better sense of what life was like for him? Wear earplugs listening to my piece? Yes. <laughs> well, you could if you wanted. Uh, it might be interesting. And you might want to put on the earplugs after hearing some of it, um, if you hated it. Uh, so they might be useful. Uh, but uh, no, uh, uh, I think probably the normal way of listening to music is without earplugs. And so it would be, it's music like um, Beethoven or Mozart, you know, uh, you wouldn't put earplugs in listening to Beethoven. Uh, but of course, you can do anything you like. You can stand in your head or, you know, throw yourself out the window or whatever. As you mentioned, Kafka's earplugs isn't the easiest piece to listen to. There was one YouTube entry I saw that described it as the most beautiful, ugly sound in the world, quote-unquote. What do you want listeners to take away from Kafka's earplugs? Well, I see. That, that's an interesting. The most beautiful, ugly sound in the world. This is what, uh, this is what some, somebody commented on YouTube. Yes. I see. Uh, well, that's, a, that's an extremely good um, reaction, actually. I'm very pleased to hear that. Normally, you, you get incredible, stupid insults on YouTube, but that's a good one. Why do you say that? Beautiful and ugly. I mean, it actually describes Kafka, actually, in a way, in these two opposites. Like I'm saying that Kafka was filled with fear, but also he had was filled at times with joy. So there you have two opposites, joy and fear. And this person is said, describes my music as beautiful and ugly. So they're, they're, <laughs> that's very good, actually. I'm very pleased to hear that. <laughs> well, some of the reviews I've read reflect some discomfort with your composition. The Guardian, for example, compared anyone who chooses to listen to it as seeking to embrace the hallucinatory paranoia of the mole-like protagonist of Kafka's book, Diabao. What do the reviewers not understand about the piece? Or was that your intention? Uh, what was it again? Say it, say, can you say it again? 
Sure, they compared anyone who chooses to listen to Kafka's earplugs as, quote, seeking to embrace the hallucinatory paranoia of the mole-like protagonist of Kafka's book, Der Bau. That, that sounds like a pretty good uh, thing from The Guardian. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you can use words like, um, I just say, surrealism and paranoia or whatever. Kafka was incredibly paranoid as well. And so that's good, too. This is all good. Um, I can only do what I do, so I do it to the best of my ability. And it, the music comes from my nervous system, from my gut, and from my entrails, from my inside, uh, from my body. And that is how Kafka also related to the world. I mean, he was incredibly physical. His nervous system was on fire a lot of the time. He was hypersensitive, which uh, which was, uh, and so am I, <laughs> uh, which was um, part of, caused him uh, his uh, torment. And uh, so all of that stuff, really, somebody whose uh, nerves are too on fire, too awake, uh, too alive, and that can cause you a lot of trouble. So do you think reviewers get it? Uh, everything you said is, um, I haven't seen any, I haven't read any reviews, so I don't know anything about reactions. So the two things you mentioned are good. Those are good reactions. Are there any particular musical instruments you associate with Franz Kafka? And did you incorporate them into this piece? No. It's for a straightforward symphony orchestra, um, strings, woodwind, brass, and um, very quiet timpani. So that's it, really. And it's just these blocks of sound, uh, waves of sound, clouds of sound, moving at different levels at the same time. And it's a kind of a whoosh and conjuring uh, the strange world of Kafka. Just a quick note for our listeners. If you want to hear the composition, you can find it on YouTube by searching for Kafka's earplugs. Gerald, are you happy with a composition? Is there anything you would do differently now in hindsight? Uh, I haven't listened to it since. I only The only time I ever I heard it was actually at the performance. I haven't listened to a recording or anything else. I haven't listened to it again. So I only heard the rehearsals and the concert. My best experience listening to it actually was on the day of the concert in the afternoon at the dress rehearsal, standing in the middle of the Albert Hall, the empty Albert Hall in London, alone in the middle of the hall, looking at the orchestra. So they were playing to an audience of one, me. And uh, that was my best experience. So at the actual concert, you couldn't stand there. So I was sitting to the side a bit. And so the music is, um, you're not getting perhaps the full impact of it. But uh, so I was pleased then. I felt I had not messed up. (laughs) And um, I felt that I think it's an honorable piece and that I was true to uh, Kafka. It's been a hundred years since Franz Kafka died. Do you think he and his works are still relevant today? Of course, uh, they will always be. On, as long as this planet is um, around, uh, Kafka will be around, yeah. Kafka is like Mozart or Schubert or Shakespeare. All of these people will, uh, they will, uh, they're like the air. They will never um, uh, not exist in our heads and in life. 
We associate him with writing and literature. Was he also musical? As far as I remember, I don't think he had a very strong relationship with music or relation to music, but uh, I think he enjoyed um, like these Yiddish groups who came to Prague from the East around uh, whenever it was, 1910 or 20 or that period. Um, so he enjoyed that theater, the music in that theater and the Yiddish songs and everything. I don't think he was strongly alive to music. At least that's my memory. I could be wrong. Well, you certainly helped bring music and Kafka together. It's definitely an interesting composition. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you, Gerald, and have a great day. You too. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to Being Kafka by Goethe Institute and Common Ground Berlin. You can learn more about the author and the series at goethe.de forward slash Kafka. The Kafka band song you heard in today's episode is called Shame. You can find more of the band's songs and concert dates at kafkaband.eu. I am Dina Sayed, the senior producer of Common Ground Berlin. Our host is Soraya Sorhadi Nelson, and our social media editor is Nur Trabilsi. Common Ground Berlin is funded by a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. And our partners are Goethe Institute, the Checkpoint Charlie Foundation, and the German Marshall Fund of the United States. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and X at CG Berlin Podcast.